0: Hey, everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. I want to read one scripture for you this morning. I'm not sure if it'll be on the screen or not, but it is from the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3 says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has given you everything he that you need to do what he has called you to do. God has given you some things, a little bit. Everything. No, 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 everything. God has given you everything that you need to do what you've been called to do. God's giving you everything you need to raise those kids. God's giving you everything you need to work that job. God's giving you everything you need to put up with that neighbor that you just want to strangle their neck sometimes. God has given you everything you need, right? Like you could say it. You could understand it logically, but like, then the question arises is, do we actually believe it? Do we actually believe that like, God has given us everything? Because i got to be honest, there's moments where I feel like, God, I, I don't know, I feel like I'm missing a few things. I need you to give me this, and I need you to give me that. And, and, and I kind of feel like, like when you were mixing up the Lucas DNA, a few things got left out. And uh, if we could just fix some of these flaws, like, but this is not what Peter tells us. Like, God has given us everything we need for living this life to be more than an overcomer. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, it's here, God. You've, You've given everything. Now, here's the truth. Like, the day will come for all of us where we stand, whether you're a believer or not a believer, uh, where you will stand before your maker, and you will have to give an account for everything that you've done. Uh, you, 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 you're going to get into that moment. You're going to stand before God. And, and here's what you can't do. You, you can't stand before your maker and be like, it was my mama's fault. <laughs> listen, listen, God, if you only knew the upbringing that I had, like then, like no, no, like here, here's the deal, God. Because like right now, we have an excuse for everything, right? If we got, we've got to give an account why we didn't show up for work or why we didn't show up for school or whatever it was. Like, listen, you, you don't understand. It, 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 it's 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 my friend's fault. It, it, it's my upbringing. I take no. It's my pastor's fault. Listen, hey, it is the church's fault right? Like, we have an excuse. Like, we're never going to, like, do you imagine getting to this moment in heaven with Jesus, giving an account for why maybe you didn't fulfill the the purpose of God on your life and just be like, God, it it was really Pastor Lucas's fault. And God just being like, oh, you're right, come on in. (laughs) Made a mistake on that one. Like, no. Like, we've got to give an account for what our life, right? You're not going to have to give an account for me. I'm not going to have to give an account for you. Well, actually, it's a little bit different being a teacher. But the thing is, like, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. God has given us everything we need for living this godly life. And if you were with us last night or last week, we talked about how the need is in the seed, that God has put something in you. And sometimes we are looking for the fruit of the thing, but God has given us the seed of the thing. And he's like, all right, you've got to plant that. You've got to work that. And, and man, I would just love for the apples to appear, but the truth is a seed goes into the ground and dies and it flourishes. And it, and it takes a while before I begin to see the fruit. But God has given me everything I need. The thing is, it becomes really, really hard to identify the seed. It's really, really easy to identify the fruit. I mean, you could go to the store right now, you could go out into the fields, you could look, you could say, like, that is an apple tree. There's apples hanging from it, there's oranges hanging from it, there's bananas. Like, I can identify this tree. But have you ever just tried to identify some seeds? Have you ever tried to identify some trees that don't have the fruit on them yet? It becomes a little bit Different. It's one thing to identify the fruit, it's another thing to identify the root. So, this last week, I gave my buddy Randy a call. Randy was the guitar player this morning. Like, can we just give it up for Randy? Just because, like, this dude is just, he's like, seriously, every time you talk to him, he's just like, yeah, I'm not even any good. I'm like, you're right, bro, you're not good at all. You should keep practicing. And it's amazing. And uh, anyway, I call Randy up because Randy is like skilled when it comes to the whole botanical farming, all that stuff. So I'm like, bro, I need some shrubs in my yard. I need, I need something. I need some landscaping going on. Will you help me out? He's like, sure. Uh, so we get in the car. We head over to... Uh, uh, the, the nursery, Hughes & Hughes Nursery, and which is awesome, by the way, uh, support your local business. And I jump into this golf cart. They give you a golf cart at the nursery. And we jump in this golf cart, and we start driving around. And Randy's looks at me, and Randy's like, all right, so what do you want? And I'm like, green stuff. <laughs> and as we, I'm like, I'm not even exaggerating. As we start driving down, like, literally acres of plants and trees and stuff, Randy starts like pointing out what every tree is like what i mean and we're talking about bushes that are like this tall and randy's like that's a that's a cryptomera that's a that's a stegosaurus (laughs) i'm like i'm serious like i don't he's saying all these i think like jurassic park names have you ever looked at like where are apples and oranges he's like yeah that's a a fungi plant and, he, and then he'll start telling me all about the plant. He's like, when this thing grows up, sun's got to be on it. You want some full sun. It's going to be about four feet tall, about four feet wide. And I'm just like, it just looks like a green, bushy plant. And like there's little leaves and there's big leaves. And he's like, well, what do you want? I like, maybe some bigger leaf stuff. And, and I'm just thinking like, he could just look at the tree and tell me all about it. If it ain't got any fruit on it yet, I need some help. And he begins to just name tree after tree, and he's identified. He's been around it. He knows that he could identify the seed. He could identify the root. He knows what this thing is going to be. He knows how it's going to look. And I just think to myself, man, I I kind of wish all of Christianity was like that, all of humanity, that we could just look and like, this is what I was made for. Man, this is the gifting and the purpose and the calling that God has placed in my life. And if we were honest, there's something here that it's been 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and we're still trying to like, we're just trying to look for the fruit. Like, I think there's some apples on hanging on this thing that I'm doing. And I think maybe that's what God is. But like, man, if we could identify it early, if we could identify it early on in our lives, we could move and we'll find ourselves not trying to be something that God didn't call us to be. If we're not careful, we'll spend all our lives trying to produce some oranges. And you ain't an orange tree, you're just an apple tree right? Some of y'all Michigan people thought that you were orange trees and you had to leave Michigan because there ain't no orange trees growing in Michigan. And so you moved to Florida only to realize, hey, wait, I ain't really an orange tree either. So you came back to North Carolina, the promised land, <laughs> and you realized, okay, I could, I could grow some apples here because this is the soil. This is what we need. See, if we're not careful, we could begin to believe that Christianity is all about behavioral modification. That Christianity and our faith and coming to Jesus is that, you know, Jesus died that we could be a better person. Uh, Jesus died that we can not cuss as much. We cannot drink as much. We can be better uh, fathers, maybe be better mothers, be better employees, be better bosses. All of these things. And we try to do all these things to, to modify the behavior to try to, well, produce a different fruit. And the thing is there's something wrong with the root, um, Christianity, actually, this is the thing that is different from Christianity than, than all other major religions. All other major, major religions, uh, whether you're uh, uh, Buddhist, uh, Hindu, Muslim, all of them have this uh, preposition that at, at the core of you, you are a good person. At the core of you, you could either work harder, Or you could do X, Y, and Z to, uh, whether it's reincarnation or reach the state of nirvana. or all, All of these things that you could then please God and you will enter into what it is that God has for you. All with this being that at the core of you is good. Christianity is actually the complete opposite. Christianity says that at the core of you is evil. At the core of you, there is no good thing. That you cannot work hard enough. You cannot do enough good deeds to please God and then make your way into heaven. You can't do anything in this life where you could somehow get better and better and better, and then then one day God will be happy with you. know, Christianity at its core says, listen, you have a messed up root, and the only way you are drowning in a sea of death and sin and you need a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. And it's his blood and it's his sacrifice that gives us acceptance to the Father. That's everything that he has done and nothing that we have done. Like, that is the absolute, like, you've got to get that. You've got to get that into your soul that, listen, there is nothing that I can do to earn my salvation. It's all on Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, listen, I died that you would be not a better you. I didn't die so you could not cuss as much. Man, I died so you would be a new creation. You need a whole new seed. You need to be made brand new. I didn't die to make you Lucas 2.0. You need a whole new thing in here, right? I don't know about you, but like, I just don't want to be a better person, I don't want to go through this life and, and find that, okay, I could, I could not do these things and, and reach a certain level of moral behaviors and things that's acceptable to this world and, and everything's okay and I could be a, quote, good person and at the root of me is still evil and at the root of me is still rotten to the core because you, you, you could go through this life and not steal and not kill somebody and still be drowning in a sea of death and sin and we need a savior. So this is how Christianity is completely different. Christ saying, listen, I need to put a brand new seed in you. I need to make you a whole new person. It's not, it's just not about kicking the drug habit. It's not about stopping smoking and being a good, a good husband and all these things. Like all of these things are byproducts to knowing Jesus. The prime product is that he has come and he has saved your soul and he has put his his word in you, his purpose in you, and all of those other things will come as an outworking of knowing him and his goodness. So because of my relationship with Christ and because I know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, I can now live this life and all of a sudden, yes, I am doing certain things well, hopefully better. Hopefully, I am becoming a better father. Hopefully, I am becoming a better husband. Hopefully, I am becoming a better pastor. But all of that is a byproduct and not a prime product. It's the core of it. It's the core of the message that we are this new creation in Christ. And so I don't know about you, but like if, if we could identify the seed early enough, Even now, like no matter where you're at in your stage of life, and you could get to the point, okay, God, this is what you've called me to do. This is what you've made me for. We can move closer and closer into living this life that, man, God, this is what it is to have life and life more abundantly. So what I want to do for the next few minutes, and actually over the next four weeks, is I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story that uh, for some of you, many of you, You'll be very familiar with. And I'm going to encourage you. I'm actually not going to read exactly from the story. I'm going to encourage you to go home and read it for yourself. It's from the book of 1 Samuel and chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. One little kind of side note: When it comes to reading the scriptures, uh, you're going to read the story in First Samuel 17. Uh, there'll be things anytime you're reading the Bible and you come up across a, a phrase or something, and you're like, "Oh man, this is this is good." I encourage you to do this: read the chapter before it and read the chapter after it. The reason why you do that is because it helps bring out a bigger context into what that scripture is saying. So just don't read 17; read 16, 17, and 18. So here is the story: There is a war going on. There's a battle. And the Philistines have mounted up on this hill, and they are all gathered, and they are ready to fight. In After that hill, there is then a valley, and then there is a, another hill. This is where the army of Israel is mounted up. And they would go out morning after morning, day after day, and they would line up face to face on these two hills with the valley between them. Now, a giant named Goliath, would come out from the ranks of the Philistines, and he would begin to taunt the people of God day after day, morning after morning. And he would say this, listen, here's the deal. This battle that's going right to happen, you guys send out your best warrior. I will be representative of, of my crew, and whoever whoever fights, whoever wins, listen, that that country, that nation will serve the other one's nation. This was something, this actually would be common practice back then, actually used for years on out when two different uh, uh, warring nations were warring against each other, that they would just send their best warriors to fight against each other. So this happens day after day. The Philistines come out, the Israel see them, the Israel just leave in fear morning after morning because man, look at this giant, who can beat him? Now, in the midst of this, there is a man named Jesse. Jesse has some sons. Some of his sons have signed up and they are fighting in this battle. One day he tells his other son, David, that is still home in the field tending the sheep. And he tells David, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take some of this grain. I want you to take some of this bread, and I want you to take some of this cheese, and I want to make your way over to the battle. Take it to your brothers. Take it to also your brothers' captains. Make sure that they are okay. Now, think about it for a minute. He's bringing some bread. He's bringing some cheese. He is the first pizza delivery boy ever. (laughs) Like, it's awesome. You got some bread. You got some cheese. Somebody's got some tomatoes there. We're going to make a sauce. So all David's doing is fulfilling a request from his father. Day after day, his whole life, all he's done is take care of the sheep. Now all of a sudden, something's changed. His brothers are off at war. Now he is delivering some food to his brothers. He woke up, and this day was like any other day. This day was a day where, okay, Dad, you're telling me to do this. He's loaded down. He is going to help feed his brothers. Now he arrives, the Bible tells us he arrives right at the time where these armies were facing up face-to-face. It had been 40 days face-to-face where Goliath had taunted them. He arrives right at the moment where the giant is giving his spiel, and David looks out and says, whoa, 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 who does this guy think he is that he is taunting the armies of the living God? Is there not a cause? And to which you would think at this moment, like, people would kind of just like come to their senses and be like, yeah, 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 you're right, let's fight, To which, no, 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 one person told another person, which told another person, which his brothers even overheard what he was saying. It's like, oh, David, you're just so full of pride. You just came to see a battle. It makes its way all the way to the king. It makes its way to the Saul, the words that this pizza delivery boy has come and he has said. man, there's someone that's saying something that's different from what everybody else is saying. And, and, And I don't know about you, but when you start saying things that are different from the rest of the crowd it will reach people that need to hear them. So David does this. He begins to look at this giant. He begins to see. And, and the thing that caught me is this is a day like any other day for David. This is a day where he's just fulfilling the task of his father. His father has asked him to do something. There's a need. His brothers need some food. He does this. Now he's stumbled across another need. There's a nation that's in need of someone to rise up. And he speaks the words that are on everybody's mind, in everybody's heart, but no one has the courage to say it. And David says, whoa, 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 whoa. is there not a cause? And all, all of a sudden, all he was doing was delivering food. This was just a need. This was a thing that led him to another thing. And I have come to find that this is true of all of life. When we are obedient to the words of our Father, sometimes it seems like these things are just insignificant. But when we walk out and when we step in obedience, we will find ourselves in situations. We will find ourselves in places that, whoa, wait, hold on. There's an injustice here. Something's going on. There is a problem that needs to be solved. There's an injustice that needs a solution. There's something that I need to do that I can't remain silent like everyone else. I have got to stand up and say something. I didn't plan on this thing, but this thing is just, well, it's just happened, and and I just can't remain silent. I was probably about uh, maybe 22 years old, and I found myself, I was in Australia, I was surfing in Australia, then I went to Indonesia. And I found myself for a few years living in these orphanages. And the thing about these orphanages over there is um, I would see all these kids that were hungry. And it was just something like I I had just planned on surfing some really great waves. Whenever I saw these hungry kids, it broke my heart. I was like, "I I can't leave without making sure that these kids get some food. I can't leave, and what started off as just one thing actually turned into a few years of me going from orphanage to orphanage, and it was just, I just kind of saw how God was doing it, and it was just something, at this moment, I had never thought about it, it wasn't a plan, but there was a moment where something just broke my heart, there was an injustice that I needed to be part of the solution, and I just wanted to make sure that these kids got some food, and still, like, my heart today, like, whenever I see kids that are hungry, man, it just breaks my heart. And the thing is, though, I think that my kids have found out about this, about their dad, and, like, they work it now. Because, like, they'll, like, not hardly eat dinner, and then it'll be almost bedtime. And they're like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, okay, what do you want? And the mother's like, no, you're going to bed, child. You should have ate the dinner. And I'm just like, but there are children, and we just, just, just got to feed them. And, like, they, they just work me over. It was the thing, though, that, that led to another thing, Because I found myself kind of going back and forth in in, in Indonesia. And all of a sudden, I came back to America, and I really had this moment. I felt where where God was saying, Lucas, I I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to plant a church. And I was like, no, I'm good with, like, helping the kids. I really don't like churches. I I really don't want to be a pastor because those dudes are so boring. I don't like any of them. And, uh, and I was just like, it was that moment of like Jesus with Peter, of just like, do you love me? Feed my sheep? I'm like, yeah, I will, but like, let them be the kids in Indonesia that like they actually want it. These American people just like, they don't want it. They don't care. They whine about things like not having enough donuts, but we had enough donuts. <laughs> and, and, and I remember just having this thing that's like, okay, God this is the thing that leads to the thing, and this is injustice. And I remember having this conversation with God, and I said, well, what is it about church? Because if I'm going to do this thing, God, I I just, there's a few things that just really, really frustrate me about the church. And one of the things that really, really frustrated me about the church for a long time was, it felt like it was like a club where you had to kind of be a superhero to be involved. Or like the pastor was like, you know, almost God. The pastor was like, there's like, Everybody else, and then there's the pastor, and then there's Jesus, right? And, like, you, you, you kind of had to be so special to, to, to be involved. And I'm just like, God, like, I, if we do this thing, if we do a church, like, it's got to be a church where only you are the hero. Amen. It's got to be a church where God, like, they see, like, man, when they see me, they're like, only God can do that. Because <laughs> that brother needs some help. Like, I'm like, God, that's what I want. And then I said, like, God, there's another thing about church that really just frustrates me. It really breaks my heart. It's an injustice that I, it's like, it feels like it's just, it's just this community, like, for only Christians. Of, like, churches, like, I thought we're supposed to be reaching lost people. How did it turn into this, like, country club for people to just hang out and have coffee? Like, I don't see that. Like, Jesus, we've, we've got to do something like if we are going to do this thing, we've got to be a church in which it's like there's no superheroes and all of us are involved with the same mission of like reaching people far from Christ. That people that need to know Jesus would come to know Jesus in a place that no matter where you're at in your life, like you can belong before you believe. And if you're in this room today and it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or atheist or where you're at, like, you can come here and you could just come and search because here's the truth, like, God is searching for you. And even if you gave up on him, he hasn't given up on you. And, like, this isn't, like, I can't do that. I can't be someone that just caters to Christians. Like, man, Lord, give me some people that just need you. Give, give me some, some sheep that want some food, and I'll do my best to feed them. But, like, I, I just told, like, this is the thing. And I just, when I saw this with David, like, he's just going about singing, and there's just this injustice. What is the thing that breaks your heart? What is the thing that when you roll up out of bed and you find yourself going through this life and there's something that, whoa, whoa, wait. I've got to do something about that. I can't remain silent. I've got to feed that child. I've got to help this situation. I've got to be involved with that. Steve Jobs looked out and said, listen, I want to put a computer in every home. Henry Ford said, listen, I want to make this automobile affordable. Rosa Parks said one day, you know what? I am not getting up out of this chair anymore. I have gotten up out of this chair for a white man day after day after day. And you know what? Today something changes. Today there is an injustice that's going to spark a revolution. That, I mean, that, that moment in which the civil rights movement I'm just said, like, you know, wait, hold on. Something has to change. But it took with that woman just saying, you know what? It's just an ordinary every day, but I'm not giving up my seat. Martin Luther King, he did it. He defeated it. He helped defeat racism with a dream, with a dream of, wait, hey, hold on. This is an injustice. Something has to be done about this. And even if it costs me my life, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about it. Jesus looked down from heaven and into humanity, and he saw, listen, there's no way that they can do it without me. So I'll go, I'll step out of heaven and into humanity, and I'll die on the cross for them. i got to do something about it. What is the thing that breaks your heart? What is the thing that on the, the problem, the injustice that you're trying to solve? Because if you're going to solve this thing, here's how you're going to do it. You have to do it by having a different perspective If you only see the giant like everybody else sees the giant, you'll be silent like everyone else is silent. But David rolled on the scene and he didn't just see the giant, he saw God. Who is this guy compared to our Lord who defies the armies of the living God? He's like, listen, it's not even just about you. It's about, this thing is about God. And David just had a different perspective. Now here's what's interesting. If we read the story and when you read the story, you'll look because when they start to describe Goliath, they could tell you everything about this brother. He's nine feet tall. He has a a, a bronze helmet. He has this coat of maul that weighs 125 pounds. He has bronze on his shin guards. He has this spear and then the tip of the spear weighs 15 pounds. How did they know so much about this dude? Because they were concentrating on him. They could tell you his whole wardrobe, everything that he was wearing, because all they saw was the giant. Now, here's where it gets even more interesting. When the word of what David is saying gets back to Saul, and you know what Saul does, the king of Israel? Saul tries to dress up David to look exactly like Goliath. He puts on some bronze helmets, some bronze coats, some all of this stuff. Because, listen, that's what the world does to us. They try to make us look like the very thing that we're supposed to be fighting against. They try to imitate that which we're afraid of. And so, David, I've got to make you look like this. Listen, David, you're just a youth. This man has been a warrior since his birth, so we need to make you look like a warrior. No, the real warrior was David. The real warrior is David because David says, listen, I I can't wear this armor. I can't wear this armor. And some of us are wondering why we're struggling and why we're so bogged down with life because we're wearing somebody else's armor. Says it was 125 pounds of bronze. Like we're being weighed down trying to look like somebody else. And David says, Wait, hold on, you gotta get this stuff off of me. I can't wear this thing. Listen, I spent the first five years of this church trying to wear someone else's armor. I spent the first five years trying to be the pastor that I thought that this is what a pastor is supposed to look like. And it weighed me down. I quit every Monday. Until finally, this just doesn't fit. This just doesn't work for me. God, I need, some, I need some of me. I need some new armor. I need to know what you're doing. Like some of y'all in here, you're wearing somebody else's armor. Some of y'all in here, you've been waiting and you've been waiting to retire. And now you're retired and you're miserable. And the truth is you don't even like golf. Golf. You've been waiting like 50 years for this. And you're like, I hate that game. Find you a new game. I mean, come on, somebody. That ain't your armor. Stop trying to do what everybody else is do. That makes somebody else. Gary loves to play golf. He's good at it. Let Gary play golf. But if you don't like to play, go fishing. Do something else. It's not super spiritual. Right? And the thing that God has called us to do, like stop trying to be the banana tree. You're an apple. You're in North Carolina. <laughs> Parents, stop trying to raise your kids like everybody else raised their kids. Like, uh, real quick story. And like we're, and this is something like I'm learning this. I only got two little girls, and, and I'm learning this lesson. And the other day, I, I, me and Devin are talking, and we're just like, we got to make sure that. That as we're raising our kids that we're not just doing things that we're supposed to do. That we're actually looking into the gifts and the callings and the seeds that God has placed in them now and begin to call those things out. I'm going to talk more about that in the coming weeks. But this is what happened with Reese. Uh, we have this thing at my house where uh, every, every night or, or at dinner uh, before we eat, we, we pray together. Whenever it's Reese's turn to pray... It's so good because um, Reese has learned from me that, uh, well, in my house, there's two things. Like, Devin reads stories. I tell stories. And so Reese is my storyteller, too. So when she goes to pray, her prayers start like out like this. So it's like, dear Jesus. And then the other day, Dad was walking down the street. <laughs> and she starts just telling a story. And she could just go on and on. And then and, and Devin was just like, and then, she, and then she gets to the end of it, and, and instead of saying amen, she says the end. And she's like, the end. And Devin's like, honey, you, you can't do that. It's a prayer. It's not a story. You don't need to say the end. You're supposed to say amen. And this happened a couple nights, and then we got me and Devin got together, and I was like, babe, no, no, no. We don't need to do that to Reese. If she wants to say the end, if she wants to tell a story, that's her prayer. We need to learn how to encourage that. Because the truth is, what does amen mean? Amen means let it be done. The end means it's already done. So the truth is, she's got more faith than we do right now. I need, what, I need some of what she's got. I need some of my prayers to end with the end. Lord, I need your help, the end. Come on, somebody. And we need to call that out in her. We need to learn that gift. She can't wear someone else's armor. God's made her unique and different. He's made you, he's made me unique. You were born an original, do not die a copy. Let us stop imitating the world because the world will always dress us up to look like someone else. The world will put weight on us that we can't carry. On the world, it'll look like it's making you tougher. The truth is it's actually making you weaker. David said, I couldn't carry this God has given me everything I need. David had a stick and some stones. And I don't know about you, but I would rather have a stick and some stones from God than the armor and the bronze of this world. And the truth is, actually the truth is that's what, exactly what the scriptures tell us in, um, in Ephesians. It says, listen, be strong. Hold on, put on the full Body of armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on some peace. In addition to all these things, take up a shield of faith to stop the fiery arts arrows of the devil. Put on some salvation as your helmet. I mean, are you hearing the type of armor that God? He's just, He's describing some shoes of peace, some helmets of salvation? Like on the outside, that doesn't look like very strong. A shield of faith. Now, a shield of a bronze looks like that's going to start stop some darts. Maybe in the natural, but not in the spiritual. And the wars that we wage are not against flesh and blood, but against powers of principalities, uh, rulers of the darkness. Listen. We've, on the outside, it can look like all of this is just like, oh it looks like so strong, when the truth is it's just covering a mask for weakness. And the things that look weak to the outside are actually strength. Because to the outside, David looked like he's just another shepherd boy. To his, to his brothers, man, who is this? Who is the arrogance of this guy coming? He just wants to see a fight. See, Israel had a need, and the need was apparent. The thing that Israel needed more than anything, it needed a change of perspective, and it needed some courage. It needed some courage. It needed someone to stand up and say the thing that was in everybody else's heart, but they didn't have the courage to say. They followed the crowd. The nation went out morning after morning, and they ran in fright. The brothers mocked him. They said that he was full of pride. They told him to just go back to your mere sheep. Even Saul said, listen, you are just a boy. How can you defeat this giant? In which David says, listen, I know that's what you see, but I see something else. I've got a different perspective You're looking at the giant. I'm looking at God. And when your perspective changes, your courage will rise up. And if you're in this room and you're feeling discouraged, it's because you've been focusing on the wrong thing. And when your perspective changes, your courage will rise up and you will find I am no longer discouraged because I'm looking at something that's bigger than my problem. And he is, well, he's bigger than our problems. Here's the next thing to that. This this perspective changes that turns to courage. Man, it's also the place in which we find rest. It's also the place in which God, no matter what, man, I could I could just rest and believe in you. No matter what the outcome, God, you're in control. This is why Stephen in Acts, when he was being stoned, he could look up into the heavens and just begin to smile and radiate even as as he was being stoned. He had a different perspective. This is how Jesus could go to the cross. This is how Jesus could sleep on the boat when everyone else was freaking out. He had a different perspective. He could rest in the middle of the storm. We need some new perspective. We need to be a people that rise up, that take courage. We need to be a people that, listen, we are gonna reach people far from Christ. And here's the thing, if we're gonna do this, the church, we need you. It's not just gonna happen from Lucas, it's going to happen from all of us as a people, as the people of God, as His children, His sons, and His daughters saying, You know what? I can't remain silent anymore. I've got to take a stand. I've got to do something about this. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming my mom. I'm not blaming the church. I'm not blaming my pastors. I'm not blaming the fact that, well, I need this and I need this. No, God, whatever it is, whatever you've put in my heart, whatever seed that it is, I'm planting in the ground. And God, you've got to do something. Something's got to happen. Something's got to come forth. And I'm changing. My perspective. I have a new vision, a new dream. God, you're going to do something. And even if it costs me everything, it's worth it. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what you need to come alive. Because what the world needs is people who are alive. To be a people that are fully alive in Christ. I'm going to ask everyone to please stand to their feet. the worship team could come back up. What breaks your heart? What is it that you're seeing different from everyone else? What perspective needs to change in which you say, you know, I've just got to take a stand? Discovering your purpose doesn't always come as this big booming voice from the sky. Sometimes it's just waking up in the morning and being obedient to the last thing that God told you to do. All I told you to do Today, David, was just deliver this bread. All I told you to do is pray for your coworker. All I told you to do today was what you fill in the blank. And when we begin to walk out this life of obedience, even in the small things, even if we're not quite sure, like this is the sweet spot, obedience will always lead us to the thing that we're supposed to be. If everyone will please close their eyes, bow their heads. Lord Jesus, as a church, as your people, as we gather together just to worship you, to love you, God, within each one of us, the plans and the purpose that you've placed in us from the very beginning, God, that we would be a people that rise up, that we would be ones that are planted by rivers of living water. Lord, that we would be ones that we would not see our purpose die with us. But we would stand up. We would take a stand. And we would fix our eyes on you. Because, God, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And without you, God, we can't do anything. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts, fill our minds. Lord, help us to be obedient to your word. Even at this moment, Lord God, as you're speaking to your people all across this room, God, I just, if there's any of us that we've just been disobedient to the last thing, that God, we repent. And God, we will be ones that no longer remain silent. We will do all that you've called us to do, even if it's just delivering some bread. Even if it's just loving our neighbor. Even if it's just helping a child learn how to read. Because there is no just. It's all kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.